0: Was last August. I met her when she made her way up front with tears rolling down her face. I didn't know then, but I know now, that Amy had made her way home, even if it would just be temporary. That Sunday morning, we had shown a video of our upcoming Thursday morning Bible study. She wanted it and she grasped hold of it like a child in her blanket. She jumped right in. She and Pippi became our family. Many of you have come to know her as well. In January, she offered her home for the 40 days of the Word. Going to her sweet home on those six Thursday nights was special. We saw God at work. I thank the Lord for lending Amy to us for these months. It has been my privilege to walk beside her doing life, and we have made sweet memories.
1: John and I will miss her,
0: but we know she is in the Lord's capable hands because he is her eternal father. Amy Shelby is here today to share her story.
1: too. I have uh, my father and my my stepfather as well, but they both live elsewhere, so um, I'm very happy to be here speaking on our Father's Day, because he's the one that stays with me all the time. Um, I came here this morning to share my testimony with you about what happened to me a little over 10, or almost 10 years ago, that changed my life and pretty much everybody else's lives around me forever. I came to First Baptist uh, a little over nine months ago, and uh, things in my life were pretty dark, and I was really searching for the light in life, and uh, the the way that I got here was a little bit funny. Um, I had put in my GPS, uh, hold it, okay. Okay, this is the first.
0: Okay, yeah, actually, now I can hear
1: better. Okay, now I can hear. Okay, that's better. All right, well, how I got here is a little bit of a funny story, Um, and I didn't even tell Pastor Charles. My father, my stepfather, told my Pastor Charles on our 50th uh, anniversary celebration here. They were so excited, my parents couldn't miss it. So how I got to Key Largo First Baptist was I had decided um, I really needed to have God back when I was 24 years old, but went a little walk on the wilderness all by myself and left for a while, and some things happened to me, one of which was I lost my leg about ten, almost 10 years ago in a workplace accident, and I'll tell you about that in a few minutes, but um, to finish what I was <clears throat> saying about coming here was I had put my uh, into my GPS, I had gone to an Assembly of God up north, I'm from Connecticut. And I went to an Assembly of God in in Massachusetts. So what did I do? I wanted to go right home to the church that I felt most home at. So I put it in there. And I found this church, and it said Lighthouse by the Rock. And I was like, well, okay, I'll go there. And I plugged it in. Well, my GPS, I don't know how yours are, but they're not always perfect. And it kept telling me, turn right now, turn right now, turn right now. And I said, okay. And I turned right now, and I looked at the sign, and I was like, oh. I was hoping it was this big, pretty green church because I love that sign out front. There's always a message out there that has been calling me home since I came here. So I was very excited, and I sat in the back of the church, and I sat in that back seat for a good two months. I came every Sunday, and I knew that this is where I was supposed to be. One day I got stuck in that Key Largo traffic that's just so fun to be in, And I was all the way, almost to CBS, and I'm just going—I was going on my way to work, and I got stopped right before that little flashing by that flashing light. And I looked over, and I see Lighthouse on the Rock, and I went—I went to the wrong church. But did I really? No. Absolutely. God was my pilot. Last week I said, Are you, is God, Jesus, your co-pilot? Well, move over. Let, you know, let him drive. Well, he did that day, and he drove me home. And this is how I came to this church. And how I got to Key Largo is an actual little bit of a longer story, and it has to do with losing my leg and starting my life over. And after I lost my leg, I realized that the most important thing for me to do in life is to help other people. I didn't always help other people. Um, I'm an only child. Sometimes you can be a little bit selfish as you're an only child, and you don't really really get things until something tragic or traumatic happens to you or somebody you love. Well, that traumatic thing happened to me, and it just didn't happen to me. Like I said earlier, it happened to everyone in my life, including all of you sitting in the audience right now. (laughs) This is all new to me with the microphone thing, so. Uh, okay, uh, give you a little history about myself. I am from Connecticut, like I said earlier. I'm from a little town called Winston, and I grew up there my whole life. Uh, lost my leg when I was 32. So until then, I had done many, many things, like uh, stuff with my friends, camping, horseback riding. I was very active. I was on a softball team for five years. I played first. I played um, shortstop. I played all the bases, and I was good, and I loved it, and I was very active. And when I was 27, I decided to change up my life a little bit. I had gone to college and was doing photography, and I worked in group homes, and I worked with people, people with physical and mental and a lot of
0: I got a little burnt out. I decided
1: I was going to do something completely different and big. And um, when I came home and I told my mom that I was going to truck driving school, she fell off her chair. She was not happy about that. And she just, she couldn't see, she couldn't see what I saw. And what I saw was, it gave me an opportunity to um, be out, out in the world. I didn't like being like stuck in an a office or in a room. That just wasn't me. I'm an outdoors person. So I wanted to change my life the I did. And I went and got my Class A driver's license and became a tractor-trailer truck driver. And I didn't really like that. Um, I actually really wanted to stay home. My whole goal, my whole focus was to get a career that provided me um, means to have a good family. I wanted to start a family. I was young. And so I went and got that career. And about four years after I got my license, I started working for the Department of Transportation
0: And they hired me as
1: a maintainer. And what a maintainer is, uh, is all the DOT guys that you see out working on Route 1. They're not really safe. They're kind of always stepping out into traffic and they're not paying attention. Well, that's the job that I did. Only in Connecticut, they really don't let you get away with that. They're very strict on their their zonings and their their, uh, work zones. And so how I learned how to be safe was on the job. When I was hired, I was only two people hired during the summer, and they won't send you, the state of Connecticut won't send you to the new employee training until they have at least a dozen or people, because it's over an hour away, and it's two weeks long. So until they could hire more people, all of our training came from on the job with other seasoned maintainers, and that was fine, because I was doing great. I worked my probationary period for three months and one day, without an accident, nothing, I did great, and I loved it. I loved it so much that I was working towards going on the tree crew. Because not only did I want to drive big things, but I wanted to be as high as I possibly could. And when they put me in the bucket for the first time, I was in love. That's where I was going. I was going tree crew. So I made sure that I always did my job to the safest that I could possibly do, uh, that I, I thought I was doing. I was learning from everybody else.
0: And when I would go to work every day, instead of going
1: to an office where I would I got a nine pound dump truck. And I got shovels, picks, chainsaws, axes, sandbags, sign stands. And all that stuff I put in the back of the bed of the truck. That was my office. And every day we'd jump up and down the ladder, in and out, getting the stuff that we needed, putting stuff in there, dumping it, you know, just working with your hands outside, enjoying life. Well, it was October a Friday, and the weatherman was calling for sleep and freezing rain possible on Saturday. So because I was the newbie and the greenhorn, I was the one stuck doing the one truck that had to be winterized just in case. So my boss had asked me to get my partner and take the truck out back and do the first part of the task of getting the truck winterized. And the first part of the task of getting the truck winterized is to clear the body of the bed and run the auger chain. And to do that, you lift the body of the bed, you raise it up. Has anybody seen what everybody knows what the phone talked about, right? Yeah. Uh, Pretty much the same thing. Lift up the bed. Bring it back down. And what that does is shake it all out, make sure you bring debris out. Then you run the auger chain. Well, because I'm new and the auger chain isn't really used in the summertime because it's used for sand and salt and material, I hadn't had an experience with it yet. So my partner was busy and he couldn't help me. So he showed me how to turn on the chain and sent me off by myself. And when I sent one off by myself, I had to drive around the back of the garage, and it was a ten bay garage behind the salt shed, all the way back where we dumped things, a good quarter mile away. So I did just that. I drove back there. I was confident. He showed me how to turn it on, and I did that. All right, we're good. I got this. No problem. I'm doing my job. to check the chain to make sure if it was clear of any debris after lifting and lowering the bed. I saw some hot patch in the back that had some rocks and C-6 and debris stuck in the bed. And the chain was running on high. And because this is my office, I really didn't think anything else about, you know, getting into the back of my office. So I figured what I would do is I would just crawl up the ladder, jump over the chain, kick that debris in. And I'm done. It's Friday. Going home. It's Halloween weekend. This is just, quick, in and out. It didn't really happen that way. That quick split second decision to just do my job ended up changing my life forever. What ended up happening was um, this was a newer truck and the truck had a fabricated bed. They had a brand new sander system. And what this auger chain does is it runs from the back of the bed to the front of the bed of the truck and it has these little plates that pop up, and what we do is we put sand and salt in the back of the bed, and we turn it on, and when the plates pop up, it grabs the sand and the salt, and it pushes to the front of the bed, where there is a chute door. And when that chute door is open, the material is allowed to come down and hit the sander, and what the sander does is it spins, and it puts all that sand and salt on the ground to make all the ice and all the snow disappear and make it safe for you to drive on. Well, unfortunately, The chute door was only open about a half an inch, because the person that used it before me, the truck before me, didn't open it all the way, and my partner forgot to tell me to open the door. Now, had he had been there, may have things come out differently, most likely, maybe not, but he wasn't there.
0: And I didn't have
1: all the right information, and I sure as heck was not doing my job safe by thinking I could just jump over when they fabricated that truck and they had to put that new sander in, they also had to do one other thing because it just didn't fit. It was a little too big. So they moved the ladder back about two, three inches. So the people in the garage who had a little height challenge, more so than myself, um, had a little bit of trouble getting up and in and over. We even complained about it.
0: Well, that day, because I was in a rush, because
1: I was very excited, I ended up slipping and falling my left foot got caught under one of the plates, and I couldn't get my shoe off. I had about this much space from when it got caught to the chute door. And that's when I realized the chute door was only open about a half an inch. And at that point, I watched my steel toe boot melt like butter. And there was nothing I could do. And I was completely alone. I heard something that I had never heard before that threw me off, it was terrifying, it was frightening. And what I heard was me. I heard myself screaming and yelling for help. That was not coming. Because if you remember, I told you I pulled away. And I'm a good quarter mile away. And not only is my nine ton running on high, with the auger chain running on high, but I'm behind a salt shed that you can fit our garage in, and all the other bays, with 9-tons running and payloaders running and whatever else equipment they're using. So they can't hear me yelling and screaming for help. I tried everything to save myself. (coughs) I will save you some of the gory details as we have some young children in the audience. It did come to a time where i knew that i could not hold on anymore and that it was it and i knew that i couldn't and no one was coming that's when i realized heard that? Do you hear any of it? Okay. I do have kind of a big mouth. <laughs> Loud voice. I had a hoodie, and whenever I would wear that, I used to always carry, I was a smoker, I used to always carry my cigarettes, my lighter, and my cell phone. And we weren't allowed to carry our cell phones at work, they were always supposed to be either in a lunchbox or in the cap of the truck. You're not allowed to have any person. So I, I followed the rules, and I, I figured out I was supposed to. Well, I guess not always, because that day, left my cigarettes in the front of the cab, which was the best thing I ever did, got rid of those, and uh, I kept my cell phone, and when my hand came down, there it was, and I was able to call 911, and I called 911, and I called the garage, and those were the first people that I affected, actually I called the garage first, and then I called 911, I called 911 myself, because I didn't feel that they would 9 because uh here we everybody was kind of doing a little horse playing this Friday. We were getting excited. And so the first time I called, they didn't believe me and they hung up on me. So I had to call them back and uh, yelled at them a lot and then I hung up on them and called 911. And so those are the two, those are the first people that I expected in the accident. My best friend at the garage, he outran the pickup truck that was already in route to come get me. I never looked down. Because I knew that if I looked down and saw what had happened to me, I would never, ever erase that image out of my creature. I knew at that point something told me to look down. And I didn't. But you know who else got to look? So I had to call her and I had to ask her to meet her job to take care of my responsibility. Oh, and by the way, I love you, I don't know if I'm ever going to see you again. And I hang up. Changed her life forever right there. And then I had to call one more person because I told you, my mom was the one that I was worried the most about, upset. She brought me into this world via the Lord always said she would be the one to take me out (laughs) if I ever did anything (laughs) bad. But no, it wasn't through (laughs) that day. Uh, So my mom had just gotten a job in Florida and she'd only been working there for three months. So I had to call her from the back of the truck and I told her what had happened. Because if it had came from anybody else, I don't know. I don't know what would have happened. But I changed my mom's life forever. So much now that she still has. What's okay. That was awesome. You gave me those underarm crutches, but they don't tell you how about Yeah. So when I went home, I went on the third floor. So the day I went home from the hospital, I went up 33 stairs. That day at the hospital, I only went up 11. But I defied the odds and went up 33 a couple hours later. Well, I had two dogs I had to take care of. I had a Rottweiler named Riley and a little mini named stinky. I guess you can imagine what. wanted to go outside a lot. So you had to take them out three, four times a day. That's a lot of exercise on the leg you can't stand on for more than five seconds on little crutches that are under your arms. And by the third day, I woke up. Up, like, yeah. That's how both of my arms were. And I was terrified because here I was home for three days. And you might as well just stuff me right in the back of that truck again. Because I was picking my bed. And nobody was home. And I lived on the third floor of my family. And my cousins lived on the second floor, and my aunt lived on the first floor. and They were all home. They couldn't hear me screaming and yelling. i right. that, you know, 30 years being a process, fast. that to get back into life well, that's all I needed to take that first step and then the second step was to get back on the horse and that's exactly what I did I went up to the local uh, the local riding stables Lee's riding, where I used to go when I was a little kid and signed up for a Little Bridges class and the Little Bridges class was all little itty bitty kids learning how to ride horses open. Okay. Every single one of us are whole, every single one of us. And this was his plan for me. So off I went to safety. I learned more about safety in three weeks than I learned in the whole three months of working there. And it was pretty amazing. And then they started taking me out on the jobs. And I was going out on the roads. And I was going to the work zones and seeing the work crews, all the men and women that were out there just like I was, all the maintainers. And then they asked me one day, hey, you want to go to the uh, new employee training? traffic, it was an hour and a half, two hours. So it was, yeah, a great decision to go. And I said, well, yeah, sure, I'll go. Hey, if you want, you can talk to glass eye. And whenever he would tell the story about, you know, what happened to him, I would always go like, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, yeah. and you really can't see, you know, you can't really tell. Really well, they didn't really care about, you know, Steve's story about Mike. And then it came to the part where they were doing the wood chipper and the big fly wheel. They really didn't care about that. Cell phones. Like, oh, to me, this is the most important part because it changed my life forever. So I gave the scene a little, yeah, yeah, I'm going to say something to them. So he started asking hey, anybody ever hear anything that could you know, go wrong with this auger chain or hear any accidents that happen? All of a sudden, it's quiet for a little bit. Oh, no. I heard this girl got messed up. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, I heard she lost her foot. I'm like, oh, nope, she lost her leg. I'm like, oh, he's right. no, I heard she's dead. She died. And I'm like, oh, look at all this stuff they're saying about me like I'm a little urban legend. They're like, well, it's time to wake them up. So I sat there and it's talking about. And that was the second time I saw 12 men's jaws drop. There was no tears this time, but they were silent. And I didn't know what to say. I'm like, I'm still alive, and here I am. And then the questions started to pour out. And it was the most amazing thing ever. I realized how effective I was. And even Steve said, never in all his years of training, doing this training. I've never seen anybody respond the way that they responded to me. So he asked me to keep going, and I would and I would go to all, not all of them, because like I said, it was was a lot for me to go and and travel all that distance, but I realized I was helping you. It's about helping other people. So I did my very first speech in front of a national conference that my boss set up in front of um, safety officials. Before I'd see him on my way home, and it said 22 vets a day can you see suicide. And that hits home with me because my father's a vet, my grandfather, my stepfather, so many people in my life are veterans. And my mom, my stepmom, is the president. She just, she's a one year term, but she was just the president of the VA of all of North Carolina. So it really hit home
0: I was having everybody at my house for the next six
1: weeks <laughs> at my house for forty days of prayer. I'm sorry, Ron. Thank you for hiring, me, but I can't work for you. <sighs> well, he got me another job. He got me a job at St. Justin's, and I talked to their women's church group. And it was the most amazing thing I ever did. It started my career. And I was like, yeah,
0: that's I left it.
1: I knew that this is what the